You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, this week I have really spent some time just thinking about my mom. I grew up in a home with a stay-at-home mom and two brothers. So there were three boys, uh, particularly when we were teenagers, my mom had to experience the tension of boys who were wild at heart, but at the same time needed safety in their lives. Uh, Boys who had dreams and independence and ideas and opinions of their own, but boys who at times needed to be corralled and needed to be trained in the word. And my parents both did a great job in that, but I'm just grateful this week as I've thought about my mom, and I'm sure mom you're watching this weekend, that uh, just so grateful for you that you consistently would manage the tension between raising us in the Lord and giving us the ability to pursue our dreams and the gifts uh, that God would have given us. And so I'm just grateful for my mom. We're in a series called Tension, and it's not just families that experience tension, it's people who experience tension. And there's often a tension that exists in the church between what we want to teach that's true And at the same time, there's other things that are true about life, or there's other sides of the truth in God that we have to manage a tension between those two things. In fact, I know a high school student who became a Christian in her freshman year, and she'd actually read through the entire Bible by the end of her junior year. And she was actively involved in her church youth group, and she changed a lot of her outward behavior. She had stopped swearing, she had stopped thinking certain things, she had gotten rid of a bunch of the stuff that just wasn't healthy for her to focus on. And then it was her senior year, God began to deal with her inner motives and her inner behaviors. And she said, you know, I thought I had this Christian thing down, but now God is peeling back a whole new layer in my heart, making me become more and more like him. When will I get this all figured out, she asked. I know a married couple who had happy and fun down for years, but then God said it's time for more, it's time for deeper. After an affair exposed their own brokenness, the struggle began to grow up their faith and reshape their experiences of what it means to be Christ's followers. I know a young man who accepted Christ in his church at an early age and then followed Christ really closely into his young adulthood. And then his father died and the loss and the disappointments and the setbacks, it just all felt too painful, too close to home, too costly. And in the days after the memorial service as the grief closed in, that young man didn't talk to God for two months. That man was me. There's a tension that we experience between what does it mean to make a decision for Christ and then what does it mean to walk into that commitment through the hard stuff of life. We're in a series called Tension and Tension, we're looking at just how important tension is that you lose something if you remove the tensions of life. And we've looked at it so far. We've looked at the situation that says you can know God And yet God's a mystery that God can do whatever God wants to do. We looked at the tension between this, that God has an ideal, an ideal way for you to live your life, an ideal way to live for his kingdom, an ideal way for you to sacrifice and serve for him. But God also uses broken people. And isn't that good news? People like you and me who have not always followed his moral law, who have not always followed his relational law, that God uses people like you and me. We've looked at the fact that the Bible is all true. And there's a tension because not everything true about life 
is in the Bible. And there's a tension that exists there. And today we'll look at this, that you can become a Christian in a moment, but it'll take you forever to figure that out. So we have to ask, what does it mean to commit to being a fully devoted Christ follower? See, our culture doesn't love commitment right now. In fact, most businesses are actually switching away from locked-in commitments. You used to be locked in for six months or a year on a cell phone contract. But now cell phone companies are saying you may purchase a new phone without a contract at a no commitment price. And this non-discounted equipment purchase option doesn't require a two-year or a six-month contract. There's no commitment entertainment if you haven't noticed that almost every platform right now is trying to go away from long-term commitments and go simply to a monthly option. They're going away from just purchase the software and own it forever to having monthly commitments that you pay and that you pay it all every month. So whether it's your gaming universe or your favorite video hosting site, your music library or your video library, they're all moving to monthly payments without a six month or year long commitment. They're finding out they can make more money doing that and finding that people want to commit less and less. Life in our culture has actually been redefined. That people want all of the benefits and they want to commit very, very little. In fact, the the themes of our culture right now is that consumption is positive. To consume, to ingest it for yourself, to build your kingdom up is positive, but commitment is not. People in our culture think right now that freedom is presumed to be in the absence of any commitments rather than the choice of commitments. And I want to tell you today that freedom is found in the choice of the right commitments. That's where you and I were designed to be the most free. If you're taking notes today, write this down. Becoming a Christian can happen in a moment when you believe and you receive the gospel message. Well, what's the gospel message? The gospel message is the good news. The good news that the God of the universe loved you and I so much that he has come from heaven to earth in the form of Jesus, that Jesus sacrificed his life, that he put upon himself on the cross, our sin, and he paid God's righteous wrath against sin, against us in himself on the cross. And our debt was canceled when we believe and receive what he's done on the cross. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse nine. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Justified means just as if I've never done it. So it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Paul writes this, he says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for, and he quotes scripture again, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's great news that you can become a Christian in a moment. You don't have to clean up your life first. You don't have to like prepare yourself that you literally can hear the good news of God's plan for salvation for people. That's the entire story of the Bible that God gets glory in the salvation plan for people and you can respond to that in a moment and be saved. And yet as we grow in that commitment, it'll take us the rest of our lives 
to figure out what that means. Because commitment is different over time, isn't it? Like you can commit to a first date, but you understand commitment differently when you are years into a marriage. I mean, love is great. The feelings of love, they're great. They're, they're electric. But we also know that love weakens, that, that feelings of love are like an ebb and flow that sometimes are close and sometimes are far. And what happens is when love weakens, it's good that we have a combination. And that combination is that we have love on the one hand, but we also have law on the other. And in the times when the feelings of love ebb, it's good because the commitment of law of our marriage has kept many of us in the game in the time when feelings are gone. And then those feelings come back over time and they're undergirded, they're supported, they're built on the foundation of that commitment. And that builds trust, which is the foundation of all relationship. It's good because feelings of love are fluid. They return, but we're strengthened by the law of commitment. We often think about, people talk about, what does it mean to commit your life to God? Like we're committing ourselves to God. But I want to flip that question around for a moment. What does it look like for God and his commitment to you? What has God committed to you? What has he given to you? At what cost did his commitment to you cost to himself? Well, in the person of Jesus, we see so clearly that Jesus embraced the full scope of commitment. It was for him unto death And he makes this gift available to anyone who believes and receives. However, as you and I grow into the understanding of what it meant for us to declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, as we grow over time to see what that looks like and how it changes us and how we're born into a spiritual battle, it starts to mature you and I into the commitment that we made in a moment. But it's going to take us the rest of our lives to figure it out. What do you mean? What I mean is this, and what I think Jesus meant is this, that being a Christian, a Christ follower, it's not easy. It's not. People think, oh, if I just come to Christ, all the circumstances of my life will get better. And that's just simply not true. That becoming a Christ follower means we become like Christ, that we share in his glory, but we also share in his suffering. We share in the cost of commitment. So write this down if you're taking notes. It's a lifelong tension between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit's on the inside, but our, our flesh is on the outside. It's our, our carnal desires, our, our physical desires that we are just innately born with. And we're constantly, for the rest of our lives, even after becoming a Christian, going to face this tension that we're going to manage between what we want for our own security, what we want for our own safety, what we want for our health, what we want for our family, what we want in every way that a human can possibly want. And what God would have for us, what God desires for his followers to do and to be, it's not easy. See, Jesus didn't die to make you happy. He died to make you holy, to be set apart for him, for his forever family. For Jesus, that meant death. And for some of us, I believe it'll actually mean that too. However, for all of us, it will mean a lifelong battle of putting to death our fleshly desires and saying no to the false God of as I please, which I believe is the new God in our world. 
the false God of our world is doing as we please. Because we've already said yes to Jesus. So we're gonna have to say no to doing as we please and we're gonna need to say yes to following Jesus. It's sacrificial. In Luke chapter nine, verse 23, Jesus is speaking, it says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. He's talking about the cross, an instrument of death, and saying that his followers have to take up, be willing to die to themselves, to take up, in a sense, an instrument of death to their wants, to their desires, for the sake of his kingdom. See, in business, you know what it means to have to pay your dues, to work your way up the corporate ladder, to do what's required of you, to put in the time, to put in the energy, to put in the hustle, to put in the, the effort, and then somehow over time you can attain the rewards. And we rarely take that truth personally. It's just the way it is. It's business. That's what you have to do. But sometimes people think that you can believe in Jesus and it's just supposed to be easy. Jesus spoke honestly about the battle. He spoke honestly about the cost of discipleship and the sacrifice of commitment. Regardless, we oftentimes want to overlook this when it comes to spiritual growth. Well, why? Why do we want to do that? Because we're trained to be consumers. Write this down. Consumers reject commitment, but followers demonstrate it and demand it of themselves. Think of an Olympic athlete. When they sign on for four years of what it means, they know they're going to have to train in certain ways. They know they're going to have to make sacrifices. They know they're going to have to eat differently. They know they're going to have to go through all these sacrifices, but they don't fully understand and know it personally until they begin to live it as an Olympic athlete. That day after day, year after year, one by one, experience after experience, they learn and live what the real costs of being an Olympic athlete are. Let me ask, why do you think God would require commitment of you and me when it comes to discipleship, to being a Christ follower? Peter Drucker said this, he said, unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. Neil Strauss said this, without commitment, you cannot have depth in anything, whether it's a relationship, a business, or a hobby. Orrin Woodward said, one person with a commitment accomplishes more than a thousand with an opinion. And Tyler Edwards said of the local church, he said this, the problem that we're facing in the church today is that we have so many Christians who've made a decision to believe in Jesus, but not a commitment to follow him. We have people who are planning to, meaning to, trying to, wanting to, going to, but we just don't have enough people who are doing it. Chances are, without committing to Christ, we would just assume that God's kingdom serves our kingdom, that God just comes along to be another blesser of my happy life. And that's not what Jesus has called you and me to. It's not what he died for. We learn through life and loss and choices to die to ourselves and to live for Christ, to live for his kingdom, to further his kingdom, instead of just simply doing as we please. It's gonna take you and I forever to figure that out. 
but it brings me great joy to see so many of you who are hosting a circle group or you're joining a circle group. There's others who are going uh, deeper in our discipleship relationships and groups that we have here at Sun Grove Church. And it brings me great joy to watch people beginning to walk into a situation with other people where we grow through community, that we come together and we actually begin to learn how to die to ourselves and to live for Christ's kingdom. And we need the support and the encouragement and the help of others around us. And that brings me great joy. Let me be honest with you. Why would we live for Christ's kingdom? How do we do that in a time like now? What is the danger in front of us? Well, I believe that online church is great, but I believe the danger is that online church can make you and I consumers of church, that instead of being the church, you could simply consume it. You can watch it. You can be there in your pajamas. You can have your pet right there. You can do the volume up and down. There are so many conveniences of online church. It goes worldwide. We love these conveniences, but the danger is that it might train someone to believe in Jesus Christ, to say, I've received Christ, and yet never make a commitment to actually become a fully devoted Christ follower. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that as we're in this unique time in, our, in the history of our world, the history of our nation right now too, that as we're in this unique time, that before restrictions are lifted and we're able to begin gathering all together as one big happy family at church, if you're local here at the Sun Grove Church facility, that leading into that, as restrictions begin to get lifted, as they begin to become opened up and they allow people to gather in groups of 10 or 20 or 50 or more, that in those times that you don't simply sit and watch online church. But as each restriction is lifted, you begin to say, who else needs to be here? It's not about me and my kingdom, but it's about God and his kingdom. So who else needs to be here? And some of you, you're going to invite your neighbors. You're going to say, I'm going to host a Sunday brunch and I'm going to invite people to come with me, my friends, maybe some coworkers, maybe just some lonely people who just want to be with people. And you're going to invite them to have a watch party. You say, what is a watch party? A watch party is you saying, I'm going to watch and I'm inviting you to come along with me. And so we're going to become together and we're going to watch online church together. We're going to be the church and when people taste and see that they've experienced Jesus in your home, they've experienced Jesus in your apartment, they've experienced Jesus in your business or your restaurant or your gymnasium or anywhere that you are, that they've experienced Jesus in that, some of them just might make a commitment to become a Christian in a moment in your house. They maybe have never even been to church. But what a beautiful thing is those restrictions begin to get lifted that you and I start thinking now, God, who would I invite? Who would I bring? That I will become one who hosts a watch party in my house. And guess what happens? When people taste and see Jesus and they experience the community of the body of Christ in your house, they'll say, then I want to go together to the place where we all gather. And if you're local in California, then you come to Sun Grove Church. However, many of you are watching not anywhere local to, to, to Northern California. You might be in Southern California. You might be in Idaho. You might be in Montana. You might be in Arkansas. You might be on the East Coast. You might be watching from France. And in all these areas, you're saying, well, how, how do I do that? And what I would encourage you is that as restrictions worldwide or in your state get lifted, and chances are your state restrictions are going to get lifted before California. Here in California, we may never gather ever again. We, we're just not sure. I'm joking. However, 
chances are you're gonna experience restrictions being lifted where you live before they are in where we live. And so you are the ones who are on the forefront to start a watch party right in the place where you are. That you start to gather and say, it's not about me being a consumer and it being all about as I please, but saying, God, as I'm growing through online church, I want to invite people to a watch party And maybe your house isn't conducive to it or your apartment or where you live, but maybe you've got a friend whose home is and they would join with you. They would host and you would just come together and be ones available to come have a watch party to watch Sun Grove Church and to be the church together with those who already are Jesus's people and those who someday will become the people of God. It'd be a beautiful experience for us. Why? Because believers grow when we get outside of our own little world. And I think far too often, life has caused us to be all about ourselves, all about our families, all about our work, all about our relationship with God. And sometimes we lose track of what is going on in in people's lives outside of that. We lose track of what it means to be the church in a world hungry for relationship, hungry to be reconciled to their creator God. And I believe that we can do that in an amazing way. Write this down. The disciples' experience went from our kingdom to your kingdom. The disciples who followed Jesus, it took them forever to figure it out. And they learned it over time. But so often their immediate thought was, how can we make our current experience, our kingdom stronger? And we see this all the time in scripture. In Mark chapter nine, beginning with verse two, it says this, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, led them up a high mountain where they were alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes were dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, It is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Luke, as it describes the transfiguration in in the book of Luke, it says this in Luke 9.33. He did not know what to say. He was so frightened. Verse seven, then a cloud appeared, covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead means. See, the disciples didn't get it. They didn't get it that before there's a new kingdom, before there's new life, that there has to be a death And in this situation, it was the death of Jesus. And so often, they do what we do. God begins to work. God begins to move. God begins to do something in the world. And all of a sudden, you and I begin to think about how this could strengthen our culture. And and that's what, what instantly Peter begins to think. He's thinking, hey, we're up on the mountain. You guys are transfigured. You guys have arrived here on earth. Elijah is here. Moses is here. These forefathers of the faith, these mighty prophets. And, and they're here and it's amazing. Their minds are blown and they think, let's make shelters. Let's take what is temporary and let's make it permanent. And you and I do the same thing. It's easy for a person to say, I want to believe and receive. I want to come to Christ in a moment. 
and they want to take what happens in a moment and they want to make it permanent to serve their kingdom. And God says, no, 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 listen to my son. Listen to him. Watch his life. Watch the kingdom that Jesus died to begin. Watch the kingdom of God be the hope of the world because Jesus is the hope of the world for all generations, not just Peter and John's generation. Listen to him. But you and I still have to ask the question, well, what does rising from the dead mean? I want to suggest to you that there are many frozen, chosen Christians that they maybe have said, I believe and I've received, but they froze their growth in that moment. And they're sitting there just saying, it's about my kingdom. And God is calling you to rise from the dead, to rise from the dead. But in order to rise from the dead, sacrifice must be involved. Rising from the dead means you have to be dead first. You must die. You must go through death. And then and only then can you experience resurrection. John the Baptist said that he must increase, speaking of Jesus, and I must decrease. And a lot of believers don't remember this. They don't read this. They don't understand that it's the same cost of discipleship for you and for me, that Jesus must become greater and I must become less. Listen, a pandemic will teach you and I to focus on what is truly important, the relationships around us, our personal health, the health of other people. It'll cut out a lot of the busyness and and just overachieving and overhustle and and honestly, just a lot of hurriedness that happens in our culture that is unnecessary. And it causes us to ask the big questions like, who am I most loved by? Who really cares for me? What does my relationship with God look like? Has God accomplished everything that's needed when it comes to me and my salvation? And how have I been living? And could I say that how I've been living needs to decrease and how I'm living needs to increase for Christ's kingdom? See, believers, we're always gonna feel the tension between our kingdom and his kingdom. And in order to manage that tension, one of those kingdoms needs to become less. And that's our kingdom. Again, we take up our cross as an instrument of death and follow Jesus daily. I want to suggest to you that you will only find freedom when your kingdom becomes less and his kingdom becomes greater. That you begin living less for self and more for him. And that shows up in how we handle our relationships. It shows up in how we handle our finances. It shows up in how we handle our time and our energy and our talents and our abilities. That they should serve me less and they should serve him more. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your story will be defined by how you display sacrificial faith to gain what you cannot see. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 and and following, The author of Hebrew writes this, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, like you just became a Christian in a moment. He's saying this, when you endured in great conflict, full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Verse 36, you need to persevere 
so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For, and he quotes Old Testament scripture, for, quote, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And again, he quotes an Old Testament scripture, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And then the author writes this, that we do not belong to those who shrink back. Right, we're people of faith, not people of fear. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. And verse one of chapter 11 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. You say, what ancients? Well, we've just looked at both Moses and Elijah are among the ancients who were commended for their faith and appeared with Jesus. You and I want to be those kind of people. We want to leave a legacy and our story will be defined by how we display sacrificial faith to gain what we cannot see. You can't see it. We can't see every angle, every aspect of the kingdom of God, but it's alive and it's real and it's transforming people like you and me and God wants for many, many to receive him as Lord, to believe in him, to be saved and spend the rest of their earthly life figuring out exactly what that means. It's this idea. It's the idea of this, that may every costly thing I lose be evidence that I follow Jesus. So every time I sacrifice doing as I please, every time I sacrifice and, and I give to support the work of the Lord, every time that I sacrifice to not just serve my kingdom, but serve the kingdom of God, that I'm, I'm laying those things down, I'm saying, I'm almost making a big pile, I'm sacrificing this and I'm sacrificing that. When I wanna return angry words for angry words, that I sacrifice that, I'm gonna put that in the pile of sacrifice because I wanna demonstrate that I'm one who follows Christ. So in the way that we love and in the way that we live and the intentionality of how we rearrange our lives for the kingdom of God, that is our glory, it's our pleasure to be able to do that. But along with it comes cost and suffering. And we lay those aside and it's almost like they, they pile up and we say, may every costly thing I lose be evidence of he or she who follows. What does that mean? It means we die to ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow Jesus. We will spend the rest of our very temporary lives moving from consuming to contributing to the kingdom of God because it's all about Jesus. You can become a Christian in a moment and it will take you forever to figure it out. But I realize that maybe you're watching today and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You, you've been thinking about it. You've been questioning some things. And, and maybe today you're realizing that the God of the universe loved you so much that he became the God man, the only one that ever existed, born of a virgin, born of, the, of God. And that Jesus walked a road of suffering and paid for your sin on a cross. And his desire is that sin gets canceled out. And the only way that that sin gets canceled out is not by our work, it's canceled out by his work on the cross, but he offers us eternal life and that we're made a new creation, that we are made from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive on the inside through believing what he did on the cross was done for us, through receiving his Holy Spirit. 
And if you'd like to receive the forgiveness of God, if you would like to be made into a new creation, the way that you do that is you just make a commitment to God to believe and to receive in giving him yourself. And, and we just call that prayer. We just say that you're gonna pray to God in a way that you are saying, God, I'm giving you me. And right now, if that's you, just right where you are in your, in your house, anywhere that you're at, you just pray something like this. Just say, Jesus, today, I give you me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried, that you rose to new life because you're God. And I ask you to wash me as white as snow. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new creation on the inside. Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And if you prayed a prayer like that right where you are, then you need to know that your sins are washed away, that the angels in heaven rejoice, that you are free from condemnation, that God looks at you through the sacrifice of Jesus and said, it is paid, it's just as if you never did that. And I want you to spend the rest of your life understanding what that means as you die to yourself and you begin to live not for your kingdom, which is empty, but to live for his kingdom, which makes us satisfied and full. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.